Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from co-pastor Elaine Lofton. All these beautiful fathers out here today, and all the mothers who have to be fathers, you're beautiful too. So I, before I uh, get started, you know, last time I got up here, my message got lost, didn't it? Remember? How about the enemy tried to do it again today? <laughs> but we found it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Won't he do it? <laughs> yeah, he needed to do it. <laughs> I'm not as, I don't think I'm as prepared as I, as I hope to be, but anyway. Um. I'll go ahead and pray, and then I'll, I'll lead into what the message is going to be about today. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for standing, allowing me to stand here in front of your people. Lord, this is a special day. It's a day when we celebrate fathers. And, Lord, you being the ultimate father, knowing how to give good gifts to all of us, Lord, I just pray, Father God, that the words you've given me for the fathers today will encourage them, will enlighten them. Father, if, 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 they're, if they're not sure they're a good father, maybe it will open up their eyes, Lord, and let them see. But God, if they're questioning their fatherhood, then Lord, I pray that these words will be something that will rest within their body and within their bosoms, Lord, and help them to be the men of God that you've designed them to be. But Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the father you gave me. And I hope that when I stand here today in the words that I have, that he's looking down and that he will be pleased. But God, most of all, I pray that you will be pleased. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart please be acceptable in your sight, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you guys want to make sure I have some tissues up here, please? So what I want to talk about today is the missing link. You remember uh, there was a game show out called <laughs> Isn't this horrible? My mind is awful. It was called The Weakest Link. Thank you. And The Weakest Link meant that there was somebody on the team that wasn't strong enough, right? And they were trying to identify who was that weakest link. So one day, I was supposed to have been listening to a message, and um, I kept saying, Lord, what am I supposed to talk to everybody about? Because I just didn't know what to say. And he gave me not the weakest link, but the missing link. Because there are fathers missing out of the household today. And he wanted me to talk about what happens when a link is missing from a chain. Because when a chain is broken, it's no good. When the father is missing, the home is broken and it's no good. Not to say that mothers aren't capable of raising their children. That's not what I'm trying to say. What I am trying to say is that a father was intended to be present 
See, it all started back in the garden. When God created Adam, first of all, he created Adam first. Otherwise, if he didn't intend for a man to be present, he would have created Eve first. So it was really important that fathers be a part of our element. And it was just, it was critical. So he created Adam to be the head, to be first, and then he created Mrs. Eve. And all of you who've been here know what Mrs. who Mrs. Eve is, right? I mean, excuse me, Mrs. Adam. Lord, nobody corrected me. <laughs> Y'all said, uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, it wasn't Mrs. Eve, it was Mrs. Adam. <laughs> Nobody said a word, uh-huh. <laughs> Y'all gonna let me get up here and say what I heard? Just say anything and then you'll be gone later. Pastor Lane didn't know what she was talking about. So to get started, you know, it's always good when you have a clear understanding and a clear definition of what we're talking about. So here's the definition of a missing link. An absent member. In this case, I'm talking about an, the father. Needed to complete a series, and the series is the family, or resolve a problem, which is the incomplete family unit. So now we understand that fathers are missing. Dads have been important for years, but they've not been recognized like mothers. We failed to give them their just due. Do you think that might be why a lot of them are missing? Think about that. Way back, and, I, and I'm going to speak in relation to um, slavery time, but way back in slavery time, the men were removed from the household. So it, it, you know, we've grown up in this society of men being removed from the household. And so women have become the sole proprietor in the homes in a lot of cases. And because of that, men's, well, and with all of women's lib and everything, men have been placed on a back burner. So because of the fact that we've not placed the proper importance upon the men and the family and the father, maybe they haven't seen the, nece the necessity to be in place. When the father is missing, there are endless possibilities that are tied to, a father, to the fatherhood being lost, abandoned, or delayed. When there's no father, there's no strong bond between the children. There, the children are not as, and, and forgive me, because if you, have, if you have been able to break this cycle, then this may not apply to you. But a lot of children are not well adjusted. They suffer with discouragement. They suffer with lack of confidence. They suffer with uh, suicidal thoughts. They suffer with um, depression and discouragement and all of that because, see, the father is that 
supposed to be that force in the home. He's the one that provides that encouragement. He's the one that provides that uh, direction and that instruction and helps them to recognize who they are in Christ. And I have to be, be frank here. I'm talking about godly fathers. If you're not a godly father, you may not understand some of these concepts and some of these principles. If you're a good father, you know, you may not be a godly father. And that doesn't mean that you may not have understanding or may not be able to provide some of these things. But a godly father, and as I get further into this, will understand we walk under the divine um, direction of God. And godly fathers take on that image of God. And when we take on that image of God, fathers, then you have the ability to pass down to the children what it is that God has given the instruction in the Bible. See, when you don't have that instruction and you don't understand that instruction, then you can't pass on that godly um, principle and godly understanding and concepts to your children. See, God is the top of the chain. You can't get no higher than that. He's believed to exist outside of physical limitations. He possesses the spiritual attributes of reason, love, imagination, but he is also omnipotent. He's omnipresent, and he's omniscient. Now, in the home, the father is the representation of God. He is God in human form. Now, I know that's how I looked up to my daddy. I was a daddy's girl, and I looked up to him, and to me, he represented everything that I could ever imagine in a man. He was my God on earth. Okay, so I want, I want everybody to be clear. I didn't, I didn't worship him like God, like my heavenly father, but he was the, rep he was the closest representation I had to God on this earth. If you didn't have that, I feel so sorry for you, but I will tell you, if you didn't have that, you can't have it. But you can have it through our Heavenly Father. See, he can touch you in ways that, that a man cannot. He can love you in ways that a man cannot. He can give you things that a man cannot. See, God is the ultimate. He is the top. But it's also wonderful to have that father on earth. Yeah. So just what is the role? So what is the role of a father to be a good husband? See, God, and, 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 and being a good husband is this. And, and 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5 says, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, and it is every day, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife. And if mine doesn't, he will be killed. <laughs> and each woman with her own husband. I didn't say how. <laughs> G 
God is my, God is my, my provider. He's going to watch out for me. He's going to take care of me. But the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his own wife and likewise the wife to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but it yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then, after that, you can come back together so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So to be a responsible father, one must first understand how to be a good husband. And part of why I read that to you is because being a good husband is being loving, honoring, nourishing, cherishing his wife in every aspect of her life, satisfying her needs, giving her, even to all of her whims, hallelujah, whatever that might be. Husbands, love your wives just as, just as. That means to the same degree as Christ loves the church. See, and, he, and Christ gave himself up for the church to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And it says that he who loves himself should love his wife. So see, you have to understand how to be a good husband before you can even be a father. See, that's what's happening today. We're putting all of the, the we're putting the cart before the horse. And so we're going out, fathers, sons, I mean uh, men, and putting the cart before the horse. So before you even become a husband, before you even understand what it is to be a good husband, you throwing out seed. Making babies. And then become missing in action. See, that's not the direction that God gave us. He gave us, you're supposed to be a good husband first. See, that's just like God, Jehovah Nisi. He's my banner. He's my encourager. He's my hope. He's my stability. That's what a good husband is supposed to be. So when I tell you that Jehovah uh, Nisi, the Lord is my banner, then I should be able to look at my husband and say, he is my banner. I should be able to look at him and say, he is my encourager. I should be able to look at him and say, he is the stability in my life, in my home. He is the, he is the good father for my child. But he needs to be a shaper and a developer of his children. He needs to develop their relationships from birth to death if he's still living at that time. But if he's not, what he has given in his life, what he has done in the home, what he has uh, passed on through his children should carry that child to death, even if he's not around. Amen. Girls look to fathers to pattern what they are going to expect in a man. Now, I will tell you, um, <laughs> my daddy was kind of a rolling stone for many years. 
But thank God that as I, but he still loved me. He still gave me the nourishment. I mean, you know, the, the, he cherished me. He, he encouraged me. He loved me. So I knew what to look for in a man. I, but, you know, because he was a rolling stone, I probably looked for some of the wrong stuff. But a man should become, and the father in the home should be the, the example that a young woman looks for in her future husband. When Caitlin was eight, he started taking her out for dates and, you know, doing what daddies do. And, man, if you're not doing that, I highly recommend you start, even if they're not eight. They could be 28. Start. Take that opportunity to build that kind of relationship with your daughters. It's imperative that they have that relationship so that they know who they are and what they're supposed to be and, and, and build their confidence in um, who they are so that when they do get that man, they don't get a bozo, they get a boaz. But he started doing that. And she started expecting it. He opened the car doors for her. He took her to restaurants. And at eight, our daughter didn't want to go to McDonald's. She wanted to go, you know, at eight, you're thinking, well, McDonald's or Burger King or someplace like that, not our daughter. <laughs> she wanted red lobster and, um, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff, right? She was high end, and she's gotten higher end since then. <laughs> I, I guess the point I'm making is, that he set the example, and now the bar is very high. That's what a father's supposed to do. Now, let me explain. See, that's what our Heavenly Father's done, should have done for us. When we gave our lives to him, he should have set that bar high. We should no more accept anything that the world has to offer. We should be able to look at the craziness in this world and say, uh-uh, that's not for me because my God has shown me what it is that I'm supposed to excel towards, what it is that I should be willing to accept. I can't accept just anything. I can't do that because I'm a child of God. He's my father, and he has shown me the proper example on how I should walk, how I should live, how I should talk, what I should look for in a man, in a person, in everything in my life. God has done that for me. And so that's what a father is supposed to do. And because of that, I don't know if my daughter will ever get married. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> because she's spoiled. But again, that's what a father should do for his children. He should set that bar high. But on the same side, he should also be that example for young men. If a father beats someone in the home, this young man's probably going to grow up and want to be just like he's going to emulate what his father has done and how he has treated his family. And so he needs to be that perfect example for a man. Now, I'm going to use Brother James because, I'm, I mean, he doesn't know this. And him and Michelle, they have three boys, fine boys. These are the boys that play for us, these young men. They have raised their young men in, in the admonition of God. These young men aren't going to go out here and try to take advantage of one of your daughters. These young men aren't going to go out here and want to shoot up drugs or go out here and get drunk and run the street and wear their pants down to the, to the ankles and all that. Right? Because 
He has given them the godly example. He has been what God has told him to be in his family, and he has raised them up to be young men of God. See, they could be anywhere. But they they choose to be here. See, that's what, that's what a man of God is supposed to do. But when a man of God is missing, they don't have that example to go by. They don't understand what it takes to be a man, let alone a man of God. When you look at the statistics, so many fatherless men are in the penitentiary today. You know, I went back and I took a look at, at some statistics, and what was, what was scary was that from, and these are old, the, the, the most current census on this was 2010, but what was scary was that in two, 1960 to 19, I mean to 2010, over it, the, the number of African-American homeless, um, excuse me, fatherless homes increased by 28.6%. In 1960, they didn't even measure Hispanic homes. But in 1980, I believe it was, they they picked up starting measuring Hispanic homes, and theirs increased by like 9 point something percent. Um, Excuse me, 12 point something percent. And in the uh, white homes, Caucasian homes, it increased by like 9 point something percent. The point I'm trying to make is, this is a problem. Because God is being pushed out of the homes and men are missing in action because they're out doing what they want to do, what feels good. Because that's what the world is telling people, that you can do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. You can go out, you can have babies, you can do what you want to do. You don't even have to be present. Matter of fact, a lot of them won't even work because they don't want to pay child support. This is not the kind of man we should be raising. This is not the kind of man that needs to be in the home. We need men to be in place. God has has called man to be in place. That's why he created Adam first. The man is supposed to be the provider. You know the word Jehovah Jireh. God is our provider. Again. That's the man immolating God. He should be the provider in the home. He reveals himself unceasingly. He makes all kinds of sacrifices. You know what? You might not make as much money as your spouse, but who cares? You're working. You got to get out there and you got to do what you got to do to bring in the money. And that doesn't mean just because you make the most money doesn't make you the provider. Let's make that clear. Let's make that real clear. See, because you're providing more than monetary means. We need you in the home. We need you giving godly instruction. We need you teaching your children how to walk, how to talk, how to be confident in themselves. Money is important, but it's not everything. Sacrifice is what's important. You sacrifice when you make those children and make a decision to be there. 
See, I, I tell you, I've seen so many people, and, and, and they will say, well, my daddy wasn't there. Well, let me tell you something. My daddy wasn't always there. You have to make a decision on how you want to live. You have to make a decision on what you want to be in life. And you can't continue to use these sad, lame excuses that my daddy wasn't there. Because you do have a daddy. See, we have a heavenly father. And that heavenly father will love you. He will wrap you in his arms. He will care for you. He will be there for you. He will talk to you. All you got to do is talk to him. God is a provider. Your man, your father, your husband should be the provider. See, when a father's not in the home, suicide has hit about 63% of our youth. 90% are runaways. There are 85% behavioral disorders. 71% high school dropouts. 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions. 75% on substance abuse. And those who are aggression, aggressive people, like rapists or murderers, 75%. These are the people that didn't have someone in the home, who didn't understand who God was, who didn't get the proper instruction, and now they're lost. I'm ahead of myself. I forget the slide. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> so I've talked about being a good husband, being a shaper and a developer, and being a provider. And all those things, God has given us the example. Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Jireh for the provider. And Jehovah Shammah. All of these things, God is providing for us, and he is showing us, and he's giving us the instruction every day. And for those fathers who have stayed, I applaud you. I applaud you. And I also know that there are some situations where the father has passed away and the mother is left to raise her children, and that's okay. That's understandable. And so for all those men who have stepped in to try to help, I applaud you. Amen. See, there are some major benefits to having a father in the home. And there was a lot, but I chose five that I wanted to share with you today. I'm not going to be before you long because I'm not as long-winded as uh, other people we know. I didn't mention any names. I didn't mention any names. So, so there's five major benefits. One is a father's love. 
And in Matthew 7, 9 through 11, it says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to you? If you ask him. You know, the prodigal son, he didn't know what he had. He went to his father and he took advantage. He said, Daddy, give me my money. I want to go do what I want to do. And he took his money and ran. And he went out and he lived as big and bold, as bad as he thought he could. And he spent all his money and he found himself in the hog pen. The pigs were eating better than him. And he looked at himself and he said, why am I here? My daddy will take care of me. Now, I'm paraphrasing y'all. This is me, okay? My daddy will take care of me. I need to go back to my daddy. Now, while he was gone, you know, his daddy was missing him. And he knew in his heart that that boy was going to come back. And so as this prodigal son is coming, his dad was looking. Now, he didn't know he was coming that day, but he'd been looking for him. See, that's what I think. I think every day he went out and he said, is my son coming back today? See, that's how God is with us. Is my son coming back today? See, you left him and you walked away and you turned your back on God. And he said, are you coming back today? Is my child coming back today? And so every day God is looking. He's looking and he's saying, I don't see him today. Well, that day, he looked out, and he said he saw him from afar off, right? And he got excited, and he's running to his son because he's happy his son is back. See, God, that's what he does. He has his arms wide open, waiting, just waiting for you to come back. See, God loves us. He loves us so unconditionally that it doesn't matter how much, how stinky we are, how deep in the hog pit we've gotten, how we spent all our money. Don't matter if you went out and you got caught up on drugs. Don't matter if you went out and you were womanizing. It doesn't matter what you did when you were out there. God is standing there with his arms wide open waiting for you to come back. See, that's what a, a benefit of a good father is, right? And so he came running back. And he didn't treat him any differently. Matter of fact, he threw him a party. See, ain't that good? Ain't God good? I say, ain't God good? See, he'll, he'll throw you a party. He'll turn your heart over. He'll turn you. He'll change your inside. He'll make you. He'll, he'll turn that darkness into light. God is a good God. So that's what a father's love is about. When you have a good father in the home, it doesn't matter. You can, you can mess up. I did. Yeah, I did. And my daddy still welcomed me back with open arms. He still said, baby, I, 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 I had faith in you. I believed in you. I knew you were going to turn yourself around. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited. 
and I kept him waiting a while. <laughs> but praise God, he got a chance to see the fruit of all of his prayers before he left this earth. Amen. But that's a good God. A good father has a father's integrity. See, Proverbs 20 and 7 says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. See, Jesus had perfect integrity. And he followed his father. And he learned how to be integrous. And he passed that on to his children, being us. How much better of a gift can we receive? So a father needs to understand integrity. He needs to pass on that integrity to his children so that you understand right from wrong, so that you understand good from bad, right? That is what integrity is. He passes that on to his children. And when there is no integrity, then you kind of go off and do what you want to do because you don't understand right from wrong. You don't understand good from bad. That's why we have people in prisons. That's why people run around and do what they want to do because they didn't get the understanding or someone didn't pass on what integrity was and how you're to walk in integrity in this life. A father's wisdom. So I've told you, to, there are five benefits that I'm sharing. One is his love. One is his integrity. A father's wisdom. Proverbs 4 and 1 through 7 says, Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get an understanding. The proverb was telling the children to listen to the correction of their fathers and to acquire knowledge or discernment so that they won't lean to their own understanding. So when fathers are missing, they don't receive all the wisdom that God intended for them to receive. They get tangled up in the wiles of the world, and they get tossed to and fro. So wisdom is vitally important, and it's passed on by the father. Wisdom, with all thy understanding, you need to get wisdom. If you're not wise, you will definitely be fooled. Anyone can come to you, they can tell you anything they want to tell you, and you'll fall for anything. You have to be wise. The word of God tells us to be wise. See, this word is our instruction. And I'm only just giving you a few scriptures, but as you can see, we are instructed through this word. To be wise, to be loving, to be understanding. See, God's word gives us our instruction. This is it. 
And if we don't understand what his word says, then we don't understand how to live our lives. A father's legacy. You can't get a legacy if you don't have somebody that's going to pass it down to you. God said that we are heirs. You can't be an heir if you don't have someone that, that you're under, right? So if you don't have someone that's going to pass down, if you don't have a man in the home that's going to pass down a legacy to you, then you are not, in, you don't have nothing to, <laughs> to get, right? So why do you think we have such a, a, a large number of derelicts running around? There's no legacy passed on. See, a legacy is not always money. It's an inheritance. God has given us an inheritance of his spirit, right, of his love. He's given us the fruit of, his, of, his, of, of the spirit. God has passed on a legacy to us. He gave his only begotten son so that we can have eternal life. You know that's a legacy? Eternal life. You have to believe that, saints. And so when there's no one to pass down a legacy, because a legacy can't be passed if there's no one to pass it from. you you, you got to receive it from somebody. That's why it's so important for the father to be in the home so that we can receive everything, the instruction that God provided, that he intended for us to have as children of God. And the last one, a father's fruit. Now, you know what God gave us, right? And first of all, Matthew 5, 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. When the father's in the house, there's clear evidence of God's love. Children are taught to let their light shine. They're taught to help others. They're taught to love, to cherish, and to treat others as they would want to be treated. He gave us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, sacrificial, unmerited deeds to help a needy person. Joy, an inner happiness that's not dependent on outward circumstances. Peace, harmony in every one of our relationships. Forbearance, putting up with others even when one is severely tried. And we get tried. Kindness, doing thoughtful deeds for others, goodness, showing generosity to others, faithfulness, trustworthiness and reliability, gentleness, meekness and humility, and self-control. Victory over our sinful desires. See, God passed all this on to us. And when a father has fruit, he passes that on to his children. In closing, fathers are a vital part, a major part, an integral part of the family structure. It doesn't matter if he's biological, and it doesn't matter if he's adopted. Heck, we're all adopted, if you think about it. We've all been adopted by God into his family. He understands the structure. See, he created it. And he placed 
as I said, Adam in the garden and gave him the ability to procreate. And he said it was good. His desire for us from the very beginning was for us to have fathers and for us to have mothers. God didn't, he doesn't, and he won't ever make a mistake. Fathers are the representation of God to their children. Just imagine, they're God in skin. In all humanity. That's what a father is. I don't know if this was encouraging. I don't even know if this was any good. All I know is that I wanted to share how important it is that the father be present in the home. See, your job can cause you to not be present, even though you might live in the home. Your hobbies can cause you to not be present even though you live in the home. Your outside interests, whatever that might be, and hopefully it's not another woman, can cause you to not be present even though you're in the home. There are numerous things that cause a man not to be present even though he's in the home. If you don't show interest in what your children are doing, you can be present and still not be a father in the home. If you don't encourage your children, you can still be present and not be a father in the home. If you don't offer proper instruction and discipline, you can still be a father, I mean, a, a man in the home, but not be a father that's present. See, God has told us what we need to do. We need to provide. We need to be, provide instruction. We need to give um, encouragement. All of those things. Don't be a missing link. Don't be a father who looks back one day and has regrets. Our children need us. This world needs good fathers because the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And a lot of it is because we've not had the proper direction or the proper instruction. Let's put daddy back in the chain. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.